Today's shir begins 11 lines from the top of Daf Pei Ches. We open with a quote from the Mishnah, Minachosim Mishuabodim. The Mishnah had mentioned back on Daf Pei Zayin that a woman who comes to collect her ksuba, and in the meantime her husband had sold off all his properties to purchasers. She, however, has a lien on those properties. In her attempt to collect from the purchasers, the Mishnah said she has to swear, she has to swear that she had not received any payment, that her ksuba was not paid up, and that's why she's turning to them now. The Mishnah, the Gemara. Tanan hosam, v'chein hayesoymim lo yiforu elo b'shvua. Likewise, Yisomim uh, are to uh, be paid only if they take a Shvua. Miman, from whom are the Yisomim, the orphans, collecting that they need to take a Shvua? Ilema Milove, if you were to think that it's from the borrower. In other words, their, their father had loaned money and never collected, died before he collected it. And his heirs, his orphans, are coming to collect the money owed to their father. And this source is then teaching us that they do not collect unless they swear to the love. Well, this is hard to understand. The Gemara asks, Hashto avihen shokil below shvua. Mind you, their father would collect without having to take an oath. Ve'inu b'shvua, and they, as orphans, have to take an oath. That can't be. Elohochi ko'omar. Rather, what the source is saying is as follows. V'chein ha'yusoymim min ha'yusoymim lo yifaru elo b'shvua. Orphans of a Malva, who are trying, the Malva is the lender, who are trying to come to collect the debt from the orphans of the Love. Not from the Love himself, but from his orphans, namely that their father owed these people's father money, so the orphans who are coming to collect need to swear to the orphans of the borrower. Omar of Yisrika, Omar of Yehuda. You notice that we have an aleph here. Uh, a few lines later, there's a base. It'll be a second version of this, of this, of what Rabbi Zrika is saying. Amr Rabbi Zrika, Amr Rabbi Yehuda. Lo shanu elo sheomru yisoyimim. Lo shanu means uh, the that this this teaching that if they swear they will get paid. This is true only if the yisoyimim of the lova had said. Omar Lonu Abba, Abba told us Lovisi Uparati, that father had borrowed money, but father claimed he paid it up. Avol Omru, but if they said the following Omar Lonu Abba, Lo Lovisi, if father had said, I had not borrowed, Af Bishvua Lo Iporu, then even with taking a Shvua, even with uh, taking an oath, the Yusoyimim of the Malva will not get uh, their collection. They will not be able to collect. Maskif lo rova, 
Rava asked quite to the contrary. We have a rule, Kola Omer Lola Visi, people who make the claim, I never borrowed, and of course this is in the context of of uh, uh, them, uh, a person being approached with paying back the loan, pay back the money that I lent you. And his reaction is, lo lo visi, ka'oimer lo parati domi. It's tantamount to saying that I never paid back. Rashi, um, that appears on the fourth to last narrow line, Rashi says, ka'oimer lo parati domi, the kevadomer lo lova, <coughs> since he's saying, I didn't borrow, modehu shalo para, he's confessing that he didn't pay back. There's a there's a document we didn't mention that before. There was a, there's a bill of collection that the collector is holding. So the claim that I didn't borrow in the face of a of a of a signed document that you did borrow is tantamount to saying I never paid back. It's, it's I think it's explained elsewhere that when someone just like someone who who never, who never, in, in actuality, never borrowed, so he never had to pay back. So that he never, in fact, paid back because he never really did borrow. So to over here, when someone is saying, when we know someone borrowed, is claiming I didn't borrow, it's really as if he's saying I didn't pay back. Elo, the Gemara goes on. If Rabbi Zrika ever said anything, he said the following: Lo shanu the uh, Tanaic source that taught that you need to take it, that a shvur needs to be taken. This is Lo Shanu Elo Sha'omru Yisoimim, where the orphans had said, Omar Lonu Abo Lovisio Parati, where father said, I borrowed and I paid back. So then we impose a shvur on the Yisoimim of the Malve to in order to collect. Avolomru, if the Yisoimim of the Loiva said, Omar Lonu Abo, Lo Lovisi. Nifroyen shaloi b'shvua. Then the musimim of the malva are able to collect even without taking shvua. Shikol omer lo lovisi. Anyone who says I didn't borrow ka'oimer lo parati domi. It's tantamount to saying I never paid back. V'nifras shaloi b'fonov lo itifra elo b'shvua. This too was taught in the Mishnah that a woman who is coming to collect her suba and the husband is not there she needs to take a shvua that she hadn't received any payment yet. Omar of Acho Sar Habira Maisebo Lifnei Reb Yitzchok An incident came to the attention of Reb Yitzchok in Antuchia, name of a place. The Omar Lo Shonu Elo Liksubas Isha Mishum Chena The Mishnah that is teaching us that she'll get collection through the court's intervention. Basin will descend upon the individual's property not in his presence. He's abroad. This intervention on the part of Basin is for the woman to collect her ksuba. And that is because of the chino consideration. This is a point we've mentioned a few times in the past Chena from the word chen, grace, that the uh, that women shall find uh, find uh, men 
um, let's say, um, appropriate and suitable for marriage, knowing that they will have a financial guarantee if they should get divorced or become widowed. And in order to promote this, to energize this feeling within women, Basin will take action in order for the woman to collect her ksuba. But when it comes to a, a lender of money who is trying to collect his debt from a borrower who is not around, so Rabbi Yitzchok is telling us that the court will not get involved. In other words, the court will not descend upon his property in order to um, enable a lender to collect his debt. The Rova Omar of Nachman, Afilu, Balchoiv, the same will apply to a Balchov that the court will intervene. Shelo Yehei Kol Echod Vechod Noitil Moisiv Shechavero. So as to prevent a situation of people borrowing money, taking loans, Vaholich Vyoshim Minasiyam, and goes abroad, settles abroad, and uh, and if, if that behavior uh, increases so people will no longer lend money you'll be locking the door of loans in front of those that really need to borrow so as to guarantee a constant supply of loans we ensure the lenders that when they come to collect even if the borrower is not there the court will intervene, descend upon the borrower's properties and enable the lender to collect. Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Kol Zman Rabbi Shimon, as you can see on the Pei Zion Medbeis at the top, the end of the Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon said something that needs explanation. He said, Kol Zman Shitevask Subasa Yorshim and what the Gemara wants to know is that uh, is this comment of Rabbi Shimon what part of the Mishnah is it a reference to? Rabbi Shimon Ahe. Rabbi Shimon is going on what? What part of the Mishnah? Before we go any further, take note of the structure. On the side of the Gemara, we have a Nosei, Mivneh, and in, we indicate this goes until the end of Omid Bey. So it's one topic that will occupy us uh, till the end of uh, today's Shir. You notice the house marking. These are Shlavim, these are stages, Levarer, to clarify, So at each house, we will present a different suggestion. And the double underline highlights the expression, this hadgoshas means we highlight the expression v'osa Rabbi Shimon and then that Rabbi Shimon comes along with his uh, comment. Now the first suggestion, Om Rabbi Yirmiya, Aha, the Mishnah taught v'nifras shaloi b'fonov lo tifra elo b'shvua lo shno l'mezoini v'lo shno l'ksuba a woman who is coming to collect from her husband's property, he, and he is not there, she needs to take a shvu in order to collect. No distinction being made whether she's trying to collect for her 
her, her daily support, her mazoni, her food needs, veloshna liksuba, nor if she's nor if she's coming to collect <coughs> the ksuba, where he had sent her a get, uh, let us say, long distance, and now she's coming to collect the ksuba, the husband's not there. In both cases, for Mazonas and for ksuba, uh, she needs to take a shvua. The also Rabbi Shimon Lemaimar, and on this, Rabbi Shimon says, calls man if she's coming to collect the Ksuba payment, so then her heirs will make her swear that she hasn't received any payment. We continue at the top of Omid Beis. Eino Tevas Ksubasa. If she's not coming to collect her Ksuba, so then Ein Yorshin Mashbian Osa. Then the Yorshim do not impose an oath upon her. And Rashi points out that they won't impose upon her uh, a, a, an oath of apotropsis. Let us make a correction uh, regarding the uh, uh, collection of Mazonos. Uh, when we say that if she's coming to uh, collect the Mizonos, we're referring to a Shavua. In the case of the Tanakama, they would have to swear that the, or that is the, the woman would have to swear that her husband did not leave in her possession a separate account, uh, like a, a pouch full of money for her Mizonos purposes. So that's the Tanakama would be saying, Lo Mizoni, she cannot collect unless she swears. Reb Shimon is saying that if she's coming to, like, to collect the ksuba, so then the uh, orphans or the heirs can impose a shwan her. However, if she's coming to collect uh, mizonos, then the, the heirs will not be able to impose a shwan on her. And this machlokis between the Tanakama and Rabbi Shimon would parallel a machlokis between Hanan and the their and and his opposing opinion uh, the the his opposers <coughs> the Bnei Kanan Gedolim literally the sons of Kehanim Gedolim. Uh, it would appear to me that this <coughs> by by. Uh, setting it up like this, that the Chachomim and Rabbi Shimon are, are paralleling this earlier Machlokas Tanayim. <clears throat> Disnan, and this is found later in the Mesichta, Mishaholach Medina Sayam, Ve'ishto Tavas Mezonos, a man who went abroad and his wife is seeking Mezonos payment, Chonon Omer, Tishava Besof, Olo Tishava Batchila, that means that only if she's coming to collect her ksuba, besof means at the end, but it means that coming to collect her ksuba, then she needs to swear, but not if she's coming to collect mizonos. Nechliku alav b'nei kenem g'dolim, the b'nei kenem g'dolim argue with chonon, v'yomru tishava b'tchilu besof, she has to swear in, uh, on both occasions. So how would the parallel work out? Rabbi Shimon kechonon, Rabbi Shimon would be like Hanan that says for Mazonos collection, for Mazonos payment, the woman does not have to swear. And Rabbonon Kivne Kehanim Gedolim. And 
the Tanakama of Rib Shimon, that means the Rabbonin in our Mishnah would parallel the Bnei Kehanim Gedolim that say that uh, she has to swear to collect both types of collections, Ksuba and Mizonos. Maskif Law Rav Sheshes. Rav Sheshes has a very basic problem with uh, this approach. If Reb Shimon is referring to the case of Nefras Shalob Bafonov, then the language of the Mishnah, Reb Shimon said, um, if if she's if she's Tovas, uh, the the Ksuba, then the Yorshin are going to impose a, a Shvua on her. According to the explanation that we're hearing. From Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Shimon is going on a case of a woman trying to collect from her husband who is abroad. But there is a husband. How could Rabbi Shimon be making a reference to a case like that when he refers to the, the heirs imposing the shvu on her? Heirs indicates the husband is not alive. But the case, that, the case of the mission of, of, of Nifrash Lobofan of the husband is alive. So now we read that in the Gemara. Maskif law Ravshashis. Hi, Yorshin Mashbianosa, based in Mashbianosa mi Boyale. If, as Ravumia suggested, <coughs> that's going on a case of Nefrash Lobafonov, then the, impo- the one who is imposing the Shvua would be the based in. And yet, Rav Shimon speaks about the Yorshin Mashbianosa. Elo Omar Rav Sheshis. So after Rav Sheshis raises his objection on Rav Yirmiyah's pshat, now Rav Sheshis gives us his pshat, his explanation. Aha, Rav Shimon is going on the following. The Mishnah that we're referring to is back on Pei Vavamid Beis. It has to do with a woman who had received an exemption from her husband from needing to swear in order to collect. Now that husband died. The wife of the deceased left the grave after burying her husband, <coughs> returning to her father's house or returning to her own house. And she does not become an executor. The executor is a capacity in which we learned on the, back on the Pevov that a wife who becomes an executor would have to swear that she didn't pocket any funds. But if she didn't become an executor, then the Yorshim, the heirs, will not impose a Shvua on her. And if this woman that had received an, an exemption from, uh, from, taking, from needing to take an oath uh, the exemption uh, granted to her from from her husband, if she becomes an apotropist at this point, they can impose a shvua on her on her financial conduct with regard to the estate from this point onwards, because from this point onwards the estate is theirs; it's not the husband's. The husband granted an exemption with regard to his estate, but it's no longer his estate because he's dead. Uh, he granted exemption for, for the woman needing to take Yeshua regarding her dealings with 
the husband's properties. Right now, the husband—it's no longer the husband's property, so the previous exemption doesn't apply. However, the ein mashbirosamashover—they don't impose a shvua on any dealings she had in the past with regard to the husband's properties while he was alive. The also Rabbi Shimon lemeimar, and Rabbi Shimon comes to be lenient. And he says, Kozman Only when she comes to collect her ksuba do the heirs impose a shvuah on her, the, that she would, were, through which she would indicate she did not receive a ksuba payment. If she is not seeking her ksuba payment, then the Yorshim cannot impose a shvu on her. What shvu? The, the shvu that the Tanakama said she would have to take, namely the shvuas apotropsis. Now, what about the explanation we gave before in the Tanakama? Didn't that make any sense? How, how could, how could Rav Shimon say against that? So we'll explain. The uh, exemption, the kula that Rav Shimon is saying, is that she will not have to take a shvua. Uh, regarding the apotropsis, even on the apotropsis, the executor uh, uh, conduct, of uh, executor roles that she carries out will not uh, obligate her to swear, even if it's after the husband's death, even if it's her dealings with the with the property, with the estate after her husband's death. And, and why why will she be exempt? Well, the Svorah that Rabbi Shimon is suggesting is because she would be acting as an apotropist that had been appointed by their father. And the thinking here is going to parallel the opinion of Abba Shol that we'll see in a source very shortly, that an apotropist that's appointed by the, by the father of the assignment, if they knew that they would be subjected to taking an oath, they would not make themselves available to serve as an apotropist. And it's in, it's in everyone's interest that you have someone that functions as an apotropist, as an executor of the estate. So, uh, Reb Shimonen is coming to be Makil according to our understanding of things at this point. The machlokas between the Chachomim and Rabbi Shimon, as we're presenting it, would parallel a machlokas between Abashol and the Rabbonin in another source, Disnan, Apotropos, one who was appointed as an executor. And there's always, the, we'll say, the fear in people's minds that one who is <coughs> dealing with, a, with other people's monies, with other people's estates, Maybe they're going to pocket money. So, Apotropos Sheminehu Aviyasoyimimishava. An Apotropos that was appointed by the father of orphans. Uh, so, that Apotropos, when, when, uh, when need be, can be made to swear that they didn't pocket funds. Minuhu based in lo yishava. However, if appointed by the court, a court-appointed Apotropos does not swear. Abashol says the opposite. Mineo lo 
uh, there are svaras that uh, explain these two opinions. The uh, issue is, we'll say there's an underlying svara. Will the imposition of a shvua deter someone from accepting the role of apotropis? So according to the Tanakama, a person who's appointed by the father of the Yisayimim, even if they're made to take a shvua, that will not deter them from accepting apotropis. The thinking being that the... Uh, person who accepted the role of Apotropos, when, when asked by the father to be so, it, and, and he accepts it, it must be because they had received some kind of favor from the father, and it's now their uh, way of returning the favor. So the need to return the favor is an overriding concern, whereby a person says, even if I have to swear, it's so important for me to return the favor, I would be an Apotropos anyway. However, when it comes to the court-appointed Apotropos, so there was, there was no favor that the Apotropos ever received from the court, obviously. <clears throat> so that a person who's appointed by the court would accept the role <clears throat> of Apotropos only on the condition that he would not be put into the, to that uncomfortable position of having to swear. Abishol says the opposite. He says that someone who is appointed by the court it's a sign that the court respects the individual, has a lot of faith in the individual. It's an honor to be appointed by the court to serve as an apotropos. It's a, it's a, it's a, 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 a sign of quality for the person. So to, uh, to receive that court-approved status is so valuable to a person that even if they're made to swear, that won't deter them from being an apotropos when requested by the court. However, on a personal level, when a father of Isaimim asks someone to, uh, when the father of, of these orphans would have asked someone to be an, an apotropis, so they'll agree, provided that they don't have to take this oath. Because if they knew that they would have to swear at some point, they'll resist accepting that position. So, now to parallel the opinions, Rabbi Shimon Kabashol, Rabbi Shimon, who uh, had mentioned that if she's not collecting her ksuba, so the Yorshim are not going to be mashbia her because she was a she was an apotropist appointed by the father, and as Abishol says, apotropist appointed by father does not swear. So Rabbi Shimon would parallel Abishol for abonon kerabonon. The Chachomim uh, in our Mishnah that mention that the father appointed Apotropos, i.e. the widow, would have to swear. That's like the Rabbonon who said that Mineu Avi Yisoyimim Yishava. Maskif lo Abaye. Now Abaye raises an objection. If Rav Sheshis' approach is correct, then the, the language in which Rabbi Shimon speaks is not is, doesn't reflect Rabbi Rav Sheshis's, uh presentation. According to Rav Sheshis's presentation, Rabbi Shimon was coming to be lenient vis-a-vis the Tanakama, whereas the Tanakama said 
as a as a father appointed apotropus, she would have to swear. Rabbi Shimon says she would not have to swear. So Rabbi Shimon is being lenient. The language, though, that Rabbi Shimon uses doesn't reflect that. So Rabbi says, "Hi, Kolzman Shetevask Subasa." That that Rabbi Shimon that language, im tovas mi boyle. Rabbi Shimon should have said instead of as long as she's tovas subi. He should have said. If she's Tavask Suba, then she has to swear. But if not, she doesn't have to swear. That would indicate leniency. But the language Rabbi Shimon used was not that at all. Ela Omar Abaye. Aho. Rabbi Shimon is arguing he's, uh, uh, on that which appeared in the Reisha of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, law neder And this Again, is a throwback to the Mishnah on Pevov, on Daf Pevov, the Reisha of the of the quote that we had that was brought by Rav Sheshes. The it was that was the end of the Mishnah on Pevov. This is the beginning of the Mishnah on Pevov. Kosov law, the the uh, husband wrote to his wife an uh, exemption from taking vows. Nedu shvu einli olayich, eno yochol lahashbiyah. The quote here is is uh, terse. Neder shvu ein lid v'lo liyorshay v'lo leboim brishusi alayich v'al yorshav al boim brishusech. If the husband uh, writes over a a broad exemption from vows and oaths uh, in this fashion, ein yochol ashbiyah lo hu v'lo yorshav v'lo aboim brishusel lo hi v'lo yorshav v'lo aboim brishusel. So that, uh, that, that we'll say blanket uh, exemption indicates that not only can the husband not impose a shvu on her, nor can his yorshim, his heirs, impose a shvu on her, nor people that bought property from him when she comes to collect. V'yosu Rabbi Shimon Lameymar. Kolzman shetevask subosa yorshim mashbianosa. If she comes to collect the ksuba, even if she had received a husband exemption, she can be made to take Ishwas. Rib Shimon is being machmir, which the Loshon reflects, with the, with, which um, this version reflects that. And now this idea that Rib Shimon is saying that even if she received an exemption, she can be made to take Ishwas in order to collect the ksuba. The komifligi beplukta de abashol ben ima miriam verabonan. This machlokes between the chachomim and Rabbi Shimon, uh, it will parallel a machlokes on daf peizayin between abashol ben ima miriam and the rabbonan, where abashol ben ima miriam had expressed the. Uh, the approach or the practice that even though a woman had received exemption, there's an overriding principle of haboli that one who tries to collect from heirs, they they have to take a shvua. So uh, that opinion would then be as, uh, would parallel as follows: Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon, who here is the stringent opinion. He follows Abishol's opinion of stringency. Rabbonon, the Rabbonon that are the Tanakam of Rib Shimon, 
will reflect the Chachamim uh, of Rabbi Shimon that said that the exemption is effective even for her Ksuba collection. She won't have to swear. That will parallel the Rabbonon that argue with Abba, Shol, Ben Imo, Miriam. Maskif law Rav Popo. Ha Tainach, Rav Popo says that this explanation will be good, might be good to, for this, for, for, for the beginning of Rav Shimon's comment. Kol Zman Shetevas Ksubasa. Namely, that Rav Shimon is holding like Abba, Shol, Ben Imosh, Miriam, that when a woman is coming to collect the, collect the Ksuba, she has to take the Shvua. Regardless of the fact that there may have been some husband uh, or originated exemption. But Rav Shimon said something else. Eino toivask subasa ma'ikolameimar. What does the end of Rabbi Shimon's comment mean? That was not accounted for by Abaye's presentation. Elo Omar of Papa la fuke midrebolozer umach lukoso. This is a bit abbreviated. So Rashi explains. <coughs> we, let's look together and let's go through the Rashi on this. Uh, Rashi we're looking at is about a third of the way up from the end of the Rashi. Elo Omar of Popa la fuke midrebolozer machlukusa klomar. Lo teimo, don't say that Reb Shimon akosav lo nedru shvu luchud polig. That Reb Shimon is coming to argue. Rabbi Shimon, who speaks about imposing a shvua when she comes to collective suba, don't say that he's referring, he's a reference or coming to argue only on the case of the woman who had received an exemption that the Tanakama spoke about. He, he's not coming to argue only on that. Ela akule milsa de rebelozer uvne machlukoso polig. He's arguing with. Uh, that which we saw back on Pei Vav in the name of uh, Rebbe Lozer and those that argued with him as Rashi explains Aresha Vesefa Shaminhu de Koamri Rebbe Lozer Rabbonon that is Reb Shimon heard Rebbe Lozer and the Rabbonon saying Mashbio Kozman Shirtse Shvuas Apetroipa Hecho de Lopotra Min Haneder Umina Shvua. That where a, where a woman did not receive an exemption from taking Shvuas, so the husband can impose a Shvua, a Shvuas Apetropsis on her. Vafilu Shilo Bishast Fias Ksubosa. At any time, even if it's outside the context of the woman seeking payment for her ksuba. So that if there's no shvua exemption, that the, the Rabbonin Rebelozer back on Peivov would say that the husband can impose the apotropist shvua on her at any time. V'im potromina shvua, afilu yorshim ein mashpien oisah. And if she received the Shvua exemption, even heirs cannot impose a Shvua when she's trying to come, when she's coming to collect from them. Kirikotani, as it taught there, Neder Shvua Ein etc. That part of the mission that spoke about 
a formal exemption. That exemption really exempts her. The Osiri Bishimin Lamaymar. If the woman is coming to collect her ksuba, then Yorshim can impose a shwaner. Even though she received an exemption, nevertheless, we saw the opinion of Abashob and Imo Miriam that what can I do? We have an overriding clause or, or klal, a principle that that one who comes to collect from orphans needs to take a shvua. However, if the woman is not coming to claim her ksuba, Yorshim have no right to impose a shvua on they're on the almona. If she's not coming to lick the ksuba, even concerning apotropsis that she had done in the lifetime of her husband, even if she had not received an exemption. The less lay, the Rabbi because Rabbi Shimon does not hold from Rabbi and, and the Chachomim that appeared on Pevavim at Beis, that suggested she can be subjected to a shvua any time uh, it is desired thusly. So, the Rashi lays out the framework for understanding uh, Rabbi Shimon, not just the framework, but the details, when Rabbi Shimon imposes a shvua, and when, and when Rabbi Shimon does not impose a shvua, and, and, and demonstrates how Rabbi Shimon is coming to argue with that, with that school of thought that was presented in the Mishnah on Pei Vavim namely Rabbi Lozer and the Chachomim that spoke about the, um, that a woman who does not receive an exemption can be made to take a shvuas at any time. And Rabbi Shimon comes to argue with that, saying, no way, only when she comes to collect the ksuba can she be subjected to a shvua. And that shvua is, is, is far-reaching even in the case of a woman who had received an exemption.